Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you. I'm Brian Wilmarth. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, If this is your first Sunday with us, hey, thank you. So glad that you're here. We hope you feel welcome. And uh, if you're willing, we'd love to connect with you after the service. Uh, Stop by that connections desk. We'd love to hear a little bit of your story and uh, maybe answer any questions that you might have. I want to offer two quick things. Um, Since you woke up this morning and there was snow on the ground, it's Christmas, right? Like we're in the Christmas season. So I know, right? Some of you Thanksgiving people aren't quite there yet. That's okay. But Christmas, so we've got to be thinking about Christmas already. So two things related to that. Our Christmas giving initiative called Christmas Multiplied begins today. So we teased it last week. We are collecting gifts for kids that are connected to the children's home in Peoria. And so what we do is we, we want to buy a bunch of the gifts that these kids are asking for things for Christmas. They may not have means or otherwise to enjoy a good Christmas. So uh, we're, we're wanting to bless them. And so what you'll find after the service out in the lobby, as you kind of head towards the front door, you'll see off to the left an area where we've got tags. And you can grab one of these tags, and it's got a list of different things that a kid might want. And so we'd love for you to grab one, two, a few of those. Um, Each kid has got four tags on there that are kind of broken up. And so if you wanted to get one kid, that's great. But uh, what we'd ask you to do is go shopping for those gifts and then bring them in by December 10th. So it's a short window, only two weeks. By December 10th, bring them unwrapped and bring them new. We can't use anything used or already opened. And so we do need it unwrapped and a brand new item. And bring that by December 10th. Now, if you're like, oh man, I'm not sure I can get out and get the shopping done. If you want to give a monetary gift, we can do some of the shopping for you. So you can do that by just putting like on the memo line of your check or the cash in an envelope marked Christmas multiplied, and we can take care of it from there. But we would really love for you to participate in the active part of this. It's kind of easy to give some money. We'd love for everybody to contribute by actually purchasing a gift. But we realize not everybody can. So we want to provide a few different ways that you can contribute. So that is happening right now. After service, you can go grab some tags, and we'd love to have everything back by December 10th. So that's the first thing. The second thing Christmas Eve. It falls on a Sunday this year. So to plan and and help you with your calendars, we will be having our normal 10 a.m. service that day. We felt like with it being a Sunday, like our normal Sunday pattern might be most helpful and it might allow you to then travel or be with family in the evening time. So we will be doing our Christmas Eve service in the morning at 10 a.m. And it will be our typical Christmas Eve. We'll have some cool things for you that day. But we just wanted to put that on the radar for you. You can plan for 10 o'clock on Christmas Eve day. All right. Can we join together now in a word of prayer as we turn our attention to God's word? Well, Lord, thank you that we can gather. Thank you that we're with each other. We can be a church family together, but we can also be with you. Lord, every time we meet with you, you change us, you transform us little by little. Lord, we we come face to face with you and we are different because of it. God, I pray that that is continuing to be the case this morning. Would we have eyes to see, ears to hear? Would we have hearts that are ready to receive from you, Lord? 
God, please work in us as we hear from your scriptures. And Lord, we pray. We pray that we get a greater glimpse of who you are, understand you just a little bit more deeply, and Lord, we're able to walk out our faith in tangible and real ways. So, lead us, Lord, this morning. We surrender ourselves afresh to you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, well, we are in this vision series, so if this is your, kind of your first Sunday, you're jumping into uh, a series where we're talking about who we are as a church and where we feel like God is asking us to go, and so we, we are exploring a new vision statement that we sense God has been leading us to go through. So um, what you'll see on the graphic here, you'll see that little QR code. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. We're going to make it bigger here. If you want to um, grab that QR code and, and pull up your, your camera app on your your phone and tap it, and it should give you like a little link to go through. It'll bring up the sermon notes. So if you want to follow along and actually like take some notes alongside today, you can do that digitally. You can use good old-fashioned pen and paper. That's great too. But feel free to grab the QR code and go grab the sermon notes and follow along. And there's an outline there for you so you can kind of trace with us where we're going today. So I just want to give, that, give you a chance to do that. But we're, we're in this vision series. And uh, what we're doing is we're exploring how God might be leading our church over this next season of ministry, over these next several years. And so far, we've covered a few key ideas. So I want to remind you, here is our new statement that we want to share with you. It's equipping you to pursue and proclaim Jesus in grace and truth. We want to be equipping you to pursue and proclaim Jesus in grace and truth. And so the first week, we talked about the pursue component. We want to be following Jesus. We want to be chasing after him. We want to become like him. We want to be covered in the dust of our rabbi. Like if you're walking around on a dusty road following a rabbi, we don't be following so close that we're covered in his dust. We want to be like him. And so we want to pursue Jesus. But inevitably, that's going to lead us somewhere. It's going to lead us to the second element, which is proclaim. We want to proclaim Jesus. By all that we say, all of our words, but also by all that we do. We want our lives to communicate the message. The way that we are, the way that we behave, the things that we do, we want it to communicate Jesus. And so we want to proclaim in our words and in our actions. And we want to do all of that in this third element, in grace and truth. So that's what we're going to focus on today. We're going to look at this third component, this third phrase, in grace and truth. Now, why in grace and truth? Why did we add that in there? Well, a good vision statement is something that casts a vision. It gives you a goal to shoot for. And, and we want to you know, shoot for something clear, but there's a whole bunch of churches around us, right? And I'm wondering if they look at majority of this and they're like, oh yeah, we kind of do that too. No, we're pursuing Jesus, we're proclaiming Jesus. They might use other words, but yeah, like, we're all kind of doing that. A good vision statement casts a vision, it sets a goal, but it also describes what's unique. That's where this last component comes in. We want this to be what sets us apart as a church, as a people, we want to be operated in grace and truth. We want all that we do to be colored and shaped by this idea, by this concept, this joining together of two ideas. That's what we want 
to be setting us apart. Because I'm wondering, if you begin to think about it, like, oh yeah, grace and truth, okay, I kind of get that. There's an assumption embedded in that. That we, as human beings, we don't always do this. We don't always bring grace and truth together. We tend to operate in one or the other. I'm a more grace kind of person. Like, I get along with people, and, and, and I relate well. Like, I'm a grace. Like, I, I, can, I can connect and, and welcome people really well. Like, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a grace person. Or you might feel like, oh, I'm more of a truth person. You know, like, I kind of know what's right. I'm going after that. I'm pretty direct. Like, here, I, I'm, I'm, I'm about this. And we tend to lean into one or the other. But I wonder if bringing these two things together says something unique, especially in our culture today. Because again, I think most people lean one way or the other in this kind of general spectrum. But what does it look like for us to do both? I think that's going to say something to people. I think it's going to stand out. I think this is the kind of thing that's needed in our time. When people pursue grace and truth together, they're going to find something deep and rich. I want that to be us. And so we felt like adding this component as a way to flavor and shape all that we're doing provides some clarity. So what I want to do today is I want to explore what is, all, what is this that we're all talking about? What, what, are gra- what is grace? What is truth? And, and what does that all mean? So what we're going to do is we're going to define those words. We're going to look and see where we see that in the scriptures and how we can understand what is grace, what is truth. And we're going to see how they come together and why that is an important idea. And we're also going to see that we miss that. We don't often do that. We don't often bring them together well. And so we're going to understand that too. And then finally, we're going to see how can we bring them together. So that's where we're going today. So I invite you, if you would, turn in your Bibles. We're going to be looking at two two texts primarily. We're going to start with John chapter 1. John chapter 1. So if you're kind of getting used to your Bible, John is the fourth gospel, so it's the beginning of the New Testament, the back third kind of here. And what you'll find are four books in a row there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We want to start in John chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 14 to 18. All right, so follow along, if you would, at verse 14. The Word became flesh. Jesus, who was the Word at the beginning, became human. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, this is the one I spoke about. When I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. No one, who is, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship to the Father. He has made him known. 
So here we get John's introduction to his gospel, and it's this beautiful exploration of who, who Jesus is, where he comes from, and, and what all that means. And he's weaving all of these different kinds of ideas together here. But here he, he's getting us to see, like, okay, God himself, the one who created all things, he was before all things, he has now become human. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so we, we see this, this person, this being coming down to become human, and we, we learn about him. We learn who he is, and, and we haven't seen his glory, but now, now in Jesus, we can. And so Jesus has come showing glory, showing us who God is, but he describes in a unique kind of way what this is all about. So look back down in verse 14. So again, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. And how does he describe it? Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus came, he created all things, and he comes revealing who God is. And how does John describe it? Full of grace and truth. He's full of grace and truth. So what are we talking about when we're using these words? So what I want to do is define them for you, and just we're going to kind of start in the broadest sense. So let's start with grace. What is grace in the Bible? A simple definition is this, unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. It's the Greek word um, chorus, and, and so it's, it's this idea that we, we are given a gift, there's favor here. We, we don't earn it. There's, there's this gift of relationship, this gift of generosity of some kind, and it's not warranted. That's grace. It'd be one thing if we were like a worker, you know, earning a wage, and then here's what, what's given to me because I earned it. That's not grace. Grace is something that we ask for we don't deserve, but we get it anyway because it's favor. It's generous. It's a gift. So when we think about grace, it's this unearned, unmerited favor. And if you walk it through the Bible, ultimately it comes to fruition in this salvation that Jesus brings. I mean, what better way to express grace than to save people who are stuck in their sin, in their brokenness, in the wrongdoing, and their rebellion? And what does he do? He comes in and says, I'm going to rescue you. And I'm going to rescue you for a relationship with me. So here we get grace most firmly expressed in relationship with the Lord and the salvation that he brings. So here, here is grace. This is what grace looks like. Okay, so grace, unmerited favor. What about truth? What are we talking about when we say truth? Well, essentially, truth is fact. It's what is fact or what is reality. It's like here's just what is. When you look at the world and you see what's all, you're like, here's what it is. It's truth. But theologically, it's not just simply like what we might see descriptively around us. Theologically, it comes from somewhere. It comes from God. He himself is the source. He is creator. He, he is the one that generates truth. It comes from him. So... Truth is most expressed accurately 
in relationship to his character and to his kingdom. You see, God, he's designed the world to operate a certain way, and it comes from him. He generates it. Truth is in him. And so when we think about, like, what is true, we have to eventually get to here's who God is. This is the way this kingdom works. But one thing we have to say is that the world doesn't look like the kingdom, right? It's not as it should be because God created everything. He designed it good. He designed it to be a certain way. But things fell apart. Sin came into the world. We broke the system. We broke everything. And so now you get a twisted version of the world. And so when we might say, well, here's what it is like, it's not how it's supposed to be. And so those two things have to exist together. Here's what God has designed the world to be like, and here's the broken way it's functioning. And that is all captured in this idea of truth. So we get here grace and truth coming together in Jesus. And I think what what John wants us to see is that Jesus, he's full of both. He's full of both. Grace, this unmerited, unearned favor, comes in Jesus. Like he's bringing, he's showing us, here's what this favor looks like, and here it's, it's through me. And simultaneously, he's showing us, here's what the way the world is, the way I've designed it. Here's my character. Here's who God is. Those two things come together in Jesus. Now, one thing that I want to highlight, I think an implication is that Jesus is 100% of both. Our, our thought process, our temptation might be to like, oh, he balances the two. No. He's not partially gracious or partially truthful at any given moment. Like, he's always truthful. He's fully truth. And he's fully grace, 100%. Like, you don't look at Jesus and you kind of get a mixture. No, no, no. He's full of both all the way. So when we look at Jesus, we see a fullness of grace and truth coming together, 100% of both. Now, if you kind of know your Bibles, you might have picked up on something. This is not the only place where we see the idea of grace and truth coming together. Did, Did you notice the language that John was using? He said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He he pitched a tent. He he made a dwelling here. And then we've received grace upon grace already given. And then John makes it just all that much more explicit. Moses gave us the law. Grace and truth came through Jesus. All of these things are an echo back to Exodus. And so that's actually where I want to turn next because we're going to see There's a deepening of grace and truth when we look back to where it came from. So what I'd like you to do is turn with me back to Exodus chapter 34. We'll be looking at the broad story of 32 through 34. Remind you about that. But I want to look at a verse in chapter 34 together. So quick reminder, what's happening here? We get the Israelites being rescued out of Egypt. God did it miraculously. He saved them through the Red Sea. And what does he do? He brings them to a mountain, Mount Sinai. And here, he enters into a relationship with them, a covenant. And said, here, here's how our relationship is going to go. And and he gives them the law. Things like the Ten Commandments. Now, do you remember the first two commandments? 
have no other gods before me, and don't make any images. Hold on to that. See, now Moses, he comes down and says, here's, here's, here's our relationship with God. And the people agree, yes, we want to do this. All right. So Moses goes back on up. And he's getting instructions for the house, this tent, that God wants him to build. And time goes on. And time goes on. And the people, they start getting a little restless, like, where is Moses? Where did he go? And, and finally get to the point where it's like, we don't know what happened to this Moses guy. Aaron, you're the high priest. Make us a God that we can worship. So they take all the gold, and Aaron fashions the image of a calf or a cow out of that gold. And what do they do? They bow down and they worship, breaking the first two commandments right out of the gate. See, God entered into this relationship with them and said, hey, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. We're like married here. And what do they do? They're unfaithful. They're unfaithful right away. So while Moses is up on the mountain, God tells him what's happening. This people, they've already rejected me. They're worshiping an idol. So Moses goes down, and sure enough, that's what he finds. They're worshiping this image of a cow. They've broken the covenant. And so right now, God has every right. It's like, fine, if you don't want to be with me, I won't be with you. He could leave. But Moses goes up, and he pleads, God, please don't abandon us. Please don't take your presence away from us. Please remain with us. And God does. He says, yes, I will remain faithful. I will hold on to the promise that I have made, even though you haven't. And he stays true. And so Moses, like, who are you? God, show me your glory. And so finally we get to chapter 34, where, where God says, okay, here's who I am. And so I want you to look with me in chapter 34, verse 6. We get God's self-proclamation. This is who he is. So verse 6. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for their, the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. So what we see here is God's proclamation of like, here's my character. You're witnessing it through this story, through these events of what's happening. But let me just capture it for you. And these two verses are the most quoted in the Old Testament. So they're super important. So did you catch it? Did you catch the two words? You saw gracious in there, right? So right here, we, we see God proclaiming himself, I am gracious. I am giving you unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You rejected me right away, and yet I am going to stay I'm not going to abandon you. I remain. Grace. Here it is. 
God's showing grace to this people who reject him. This is his character. But then the next one, you're kind of like, okay, but where's truth? I highlighted the word faithfulness here. So here, the word faithfulness is the Hebrew word emet. And it means faithful. It means remaining steady and aligned. It it means remaining true. Because it also means truth. Fact, objectivity, the Hebrew mind has brought these two ideas together. And so if you actually go back to the, uh, the King James Version, the good old King James, it translates the word here, truth. So the Hebrew word emet means true. It means steady, it means reliable, it means solid. It remains as is. So the Hebrews, they thought of this idea of truth, of fact, and faithfulness, relational fidelity, remaining true, staying the course as one concept. See, right here, God is saying, I am gracious and I am true. He's right here bridging the gap for us. It's in his character that these two things go together. But we read verse 7. It's here God's saying, like, okay, I'm going to show love to thousands, and I'm going to forgive rebellion, wickedness, and sin. Like, this is who I am. Yet, I'm not going to leave the guilty unpunished. And they're going to feel the consequences through their families. Like, when someone does something wrong, they're going to feel it. Their kids are going to, going to be affected, and their grandkids. And, and we kind of probably feel like, okay, hang on a minute. How does that work? How does God resolve these two things? How does he resolve his love, his grace, and his justice, doing what's right, his truth? And you feel that as a reader, like, how do these two things work? And you see that play out through the entire Old Testament until you get to Jesus, where you see a fullness of grace and truth come together in him, and what does he do? He resolves the tension. See, Jesus would step in our place. He would die for us. The guiltiness has been punished in him. So that when we, by faith, come to him, we receive the favor he wants to grant us. It is by grace, through faith, that we are saved. Faithfulness, truth, has that trust component. And so here we see Jesus realizing, here's how these two things coexist. But for us, we live in that tension sometimes, don't we? We we don't quite play out this grace and truth kind of thing, do we? we? We fall short. And so what I want to do next is I want to give you a tool that's going to help us understand these dynamics just a little bit more. And so this tool is something I learned at my last church from a couple consultants that we had come join us for a little while. And they showed us this image. And man, it has been so helpful for me as I think about navigating the Christian life, walking out my faith, and allowing these two things to come together, grace and truth, fully. So what I want to do is I want to talk about some of the ways that we don't quite measure up 
to Jesus. So we've got the image on, on the screen here, but I'm going to draw it as well. And so I'm going to use this middle line as kind of our, our y-axis here. I'm going to put a little arrow that direction. And then I'm going to draw an x-axis here and, and draw an arrow that direction. So what we want to do is we want to think about grace and truth in these ways. So I'm going to put grace up here. And remember, that's unmerited favor. It brings the relational side of the equation. And then we're going to put truth here. And this is what is true. It's what is fact, the way reality is, all in alignment to God's character and his kingdom. And so with that comes that faith component. God is faithful to, here's how reality is. I'm faithful to that. I want you to be faithful to that. So truth brings with it that faith element. But again, we don't often operate with grace and truth fully. Sometimes we're going to be more of a grace person. We're, we're high on the grace side, but low on the truth side. And so what we've decided to call that is hangout. Hangout is this kind of like, okay, I really want to prioritize relationships. I want, I want to make sure everybody's okay. And so hangout's the kind of thing where you're at Thanksgiving, you're spending a few days with the family. You've kind of moved back past Thanksgiving dinner. And it's like, hey, let's go out to eat somewhere. Okay, where do you want to go? Oh, I don't know. Where do you want to go? Oh, it doesn't matter to me. Where do you want to go? And you do this cycle, right? That's hangout, right? Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to like, oh, here's where I want to go and make someone feel bad, right? Like if I decide like, oh, this is where we're going to go to lunch, then, then somebody might not like it. And they might be unhappy and then we can't have that. So what hangout is all about, it's about making people happy. It's about keeping the peace. It's about making everything just, just everything's okay. Don't rock the boat. And it's all about managing situations. Hangout is, it's all about like the relational piece, like let's just keep people happy, but it neglects the truth side of things. What's right or, or where we might have some opinion or thought, like we, we just don't do that. Uh, an example you see in the scriptures, let's go back to Moses. When God first meets Moses in the burning bush, he's like, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Oh, don't send me to Pharaoh. I, I don't speak very well. Like, I can't talk in front of people. Like, that's just not a good idea. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'm the one who made your mouth. Well, I mean, what if they don't believe me? Like, and who are you? And, and he gives all these excuses till finally he's like, I just don't want to go. And God's like, now we're getting somewhere. Up until that point, Moses would be an hangout. He, he won't actually, like, get there to say, like, don't send me until finally he does. God knows his heart, he knows, but he's making all these excuses. He's kind of beating around the bush like that. That's hangout. We just avoid this. Like we, we, we want to manage problems. We want to just make everything okay. Let's hang out. What about the reverse? What if we're a high truth kind of person, but, but kind of lack the grace? We call that call out. Here... It's all about what's right to the neglect of relationship. It's like, okay, we're going here for lunch. I don't care if you don't like, we need salads. We've been eating a lot of carbs. Like, we need to eat here. And if you don't like it, that's fine because this is what's right. Call out, right? And that would be like, oh, okay, that's a horrible conversation. But like this, this is about what someone decides is right and it has a harshness to it. And it's about fixing a problem. Whereas here, it's like, oh, we just want to keep everybody happy. Now, nah, here, here's the problem. We just need to fix it. This is where advice comes. 
This is where you're just like, here's, here's what we got to do. Let's just do it. Let's buck up, and here we go. Let's call out. It's about what's right to the neglect of relationship. Whereas hangout prioritizes relationship over what's right, call out prioritizes rightness over the relationship. An example in the scriptures, the characters of the Pharisees. The Pharisees really capture this, don't they? You can't eat with that person. We don't do that. They don't belong. This is what it says in the law. This is what we're supposed to do. Call out. It misses the grace piece. Now let's say we've got kind of low versions of both. Like if we're not here or not here, what else might it be like? Well, we call this one low grace, low truth, checkout. Oftentimes, this is just like, okay, survival mode. I just can't deal with this anymore. Living here, we can't make a decision on where we want to go eat. And like, oh, this guy's just running me over. Like, I'm just done. I'm just going to sit and watch TV. And we check out. And we ignore and avoid. Here, it's just about survival. I don't think we often live here. But sometimes we can find ourselves here. Check out. We're just trying to, trying to survive, trying to get through. And we don't want to address anything. We avoid. I think sometimes we live in these other three quadrants where we're operating not like Jesus. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He came full of both. He wasn't part way. He didn't have sometimes this or sometimes that. Like, no, no, no. He lived here. Full of grace, full of truth all the time. We call that call up. Fullness of grace, fullness of truth. Full relationship, full rightness. Jesus isn't here saying like, oh, it doesn't matter, no big deal. We'll just kind of, you know, go through whatever. Or here, you know, measure up, fix it, then come back to me. No, no, no. Jesus had full favor, unmerited favor for people. And he proclaimed, here's the kingdom. Here's what it's like. Here's what's right. Here's what's good. Here's what's faithful. One place you see this in the scriptures, and it's just so acute. Jesus is walking along, and and the Pharisees bring a woman who's caught in adultery. This is found in John 8. And they're trying to trap him and saying, hey, she should be stoned. That's what the law says. What do you say? And eventually he's like, hey, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And they all leave. And he finally has an interaction with her. Who condemns you? No one. Neither do I. Go and leave your life of sin. I don't condemn you. I value you are important. Important enough for me to die for you. I made you. I value you. And I want what's best for you, so leave behind this life. Don't walk this road anymore. There is more for you. This is the way that Jesus is. He's full of grace and full of truth. I have found this so helpful 
to think through relationships, think through interactions, and think through my relationship with God. He is this way with us. This is the way our discipleship goes. He is like this with us. He doesn't live here and these other three. Like, no, we might, but he doesn't. So our relationship with him is here. It's full of grace and truth all the time. We want to be like that too. We've been talking about this hypothetical person named David. Imagine you're sitting in a coffee shop. David's asked you to meet there, and and suddenly, kind of out of character, he just spills all this stuff that's going on in his life. His marriage is on the rocks. He doesn't know the way forward in that. He just doesn't feel like there can be anything to be done there. His job is, is just dead end, and he feels unfulfilled. He doesn't know what can happen there. It's just lifeless for him. And his kids are going every which direction. He just feels overwhelmed. He can't keep up. He doesn't feel like he's being a good dad. And all the while, he just hears in the back of his head, his parents just ringing voice, you're just never going to be good enough. And he unloads all this to you. What do you do in a moment like that? You could. Oh, man. Spouses, they're just a drag, aren't they? Like, sounds like she's really, you know, you know, working you over. Like, that's just not cool, man. Like, totally not your fault. Like, don't worry about it. Like, just, just do what you feel is right. And, you know, like that kind of. Or, well, it sounds like she's got a case. Like, what can you do to make it better? Like, how can you work on it? And make sure you don't get divorced. Just avoid that at all costs. Like, and, and you got you to work harder. You got to try more and just do more to get your boss's attention. And, and don't listen, you know. It's about fixing. Here it's just making him feel better. Here it's just about fixing the problem. What might this sound like? I'm really sorry. That sounds really hard. My heart breaks for you. But this doesn't have to be the end of the story. Like God, he he can help. He's in the business of, of restoring and healing are you willing to let him? Do you want things to get better? He, he, can, he can work in your life. It's going to be hard. There's probably some things you're going to have to change. But he wants to do it. And I'll tell you what, no matter what happens, he's never going to abandon you. He's never going to leave you. And he can bring about newness. Will you let him? Are you willing to do the hard work? I don't know if that's exactly what it needs to sound like, but grace and truth together sounds like freedom and hope. It sounds like gospel, right? We talked about how we want to proclaim Jesus when we learn the gospel. What does it look like to bring grace and truth together? Gospel. That's what Jesus came to bring. Unmerited favor restoration of relationship, making things right as they should be. This is the way he is with us. The reason we want this in our vision statement is we want to be about this too. We want to sit down with a David and learn how to proclaim gospel good news, how to bring grace and truth together, not just try to give some advice that might put a Band-Aid on it or just make him feel better or just like, "Ah, I don't really want to talk about that. Like, no. How do we be present with someone in a meaningful kind of way? 
and allow God to work through us. We want to be these kinds of people. We want to be cultivating this in our lives. We want to be this with one another. We want to be this way with God. We want to reflect it back to him. This is how he is with us. Let's be that way with him too. And so we want our ministries. We want to be shaped by this kind of thing. We want to go after grace and truth together, not just leave one to the other. Like we want to be a church that brings them meaningfully together, just like Jesus does. That's our hope. That's what we want to be about. So that's what we're going to go after. We're going to continue to teach into this kind of stuff. And next year, we've met as a preaching team. We kind of planned out some of the things we're going to tackle next year. We're going to look at how Jesus is in his interactions, in his relationships, in in the encounters people have with him. And we're going to see this, how he brings them together. And so, like, that's what we want to continue to teach and grow into. What does it look like for us to be people who are full of grace and truth? But in the meantime, if you're kind of like, okay, what, what do I need to begin to do? I've got two simple starting places for you. And so the first one is this. It's notice. Where do you find yourself typically? When do you see you're not really bringing grace and truth together? Just begin to notice what are those relationships? What are the interactions that you have that kind of bring you one direction or another? Where do you tend to find yourself? Are you more here? Are you more here? You're going to find in different relationships are going to fall in different parts. But like just begin to notice where are you not bringing a fullness of grace and truth? Then the second thing that I want you to do once you've noticed is to ask the Lord. What does that look like for me to move towards fullness of grace and truth? right here, right now? What does it begin to look like for us to bring these two things together, to be more call up and ask him to help you? Now, you might be like, I'm not sure how to know that. Start reading the Gospels. Watch Jesus. How does he interact with people? How does he bring grace and truth together? Watch him do it. And see what you can learn and see how he's going to shape and mold you. But we can't do any of this on our own strength. It's only when we've received grace and truth together that we can actually be transformed in a way to do it. And that is the power of the gospel. We're stuck in our sinful patterns. We need to be set free. We need to be transformed. And we only do that by turning to him and by trusting him Truth and faithfulness going together means we're to do the same. We're to trust. We're to have faith. It's how the Christian life works. It's by faith in Christ. And so we trust him. We trust the power of the Spirit to move us in this. So begin by noticing and ask him, what does it look like? Teach me, show me, change me. So bottom line, Here's what I want you to know. Here's what I want you to hear. Let the grace and truth of Jesus shape you. Be shaped by it. Let the gospel come into you in deeper and deeper ways so that you look more and more like Jesus in all of your interactions, in the way that you treat your kids, 
interact with your boss, that uncle that you just got done seeing, you're like, I really don't want to see him for another year. Like, how do we bring grace and truth in every aspect of our lives? Let the grace and truth of Jesus shape you. Let's join together in prayer.